Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello again, Broncos country. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Orange Weekly Podcast. My name is Jared and I am back. I am back and ready to root on our Denver Broncos as we are meagerly staggering through this season. Unfortunately, we could not get you guys a post-game podcast, so on today's episode, we give you a special edition post-game and pre-game podcast all wrapped into one. David and myself will talk about what happened in that Kansas City game and will we ever bounce back from it. We also give you a little bit of heads up on what we think about the Emmanuel Sanders trade, Joe Flacco, and what we have for the rest of this season and how we should go forward. So please, stay tuned, listen in, and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Orange Weekly Podcast. Uh, my name is Jared. I'm here with one of my co-hosts, uh, David. Unfortunately, Matt could not be with us today, but I'm back, and I think that makes up for it, right, David? Well, uh, that that's certainly something, Jared. I can I can agree with you that it is much better to have you here than to have just me, or right. especially just me talking as if there was another person here but there wasn't that would be awkward so to have you here is literally better than having me sounding schizophrenic here how does that is that what you were wanting to hear no you definitely beat around the bush really heavy there but uh yeah i especially since you almost kicked me off the show last week i mean i mean as i recall there was no almost about it it was pretty explicit but uh here we are one week later and we have bigger much more important things to talk about such as how terrible the broncos look and how sad it's going to be for the rest of the season but how much fun we're going to have despite all of that right absolutely uh you know what it's tough and you know orange weekly has been around for i think this is our third year Fourth year, maybe. Uh, <laughs> not not a winning season among them. Uh, I'll yeah, tell you. and not a single winning season. But we're here each and every week, and uh, we're still rooting for the Broncos. We still have our our Broncos hats on. We still got the the banners flying, um, and we just have to keep pushing forward. And I think all Broncos country needs to do that. So we're going to. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't get you guys a post game podcast this week. So we are going to do a special edition post game and pre-game podcast so we'll we'll uh, break apart as we've discussed this travesty of a football game that we saw last Thursday and we'll give you a little bit of a heads up on what to expect when we play Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts coming up on this Sunday so David let's start off a little bit of a recap yeah 
and yeah. you're and, and obviously I want to talk a little bit about the Emmanuel Sanders trade too a little bit later on but let's start with this Kansas City game yeah well and like you said we're not going to get too too far into this because I think everybody saw Basically, I think everybody was watching that Kansas City game because I think, like all of us at Orange Weekly, there was a little bit of hope in Broncos country that maybe this was going to be a game that we could come out and actually shock the world and, you know, look competitive and maybe steal one from the Chiefs. And then reality came and reality came hard for all of us. And and even in the first quarter when Patrick Mahomes went out and, and, you know, there was... Maybe not celebration in Broncos country, but there was at least this kind of sense of let's uh, let's go now. You know, there's no excuse. We got this. This one's in hand. You know, we scored that first drive touchdown. Things were looking good from that point. Went for two, which was an aggressive move that I think we all loved, even though it didn't work out. You know, it's one of those moves if you if you make it, it looks genius and it looks like some oh, it's a coaching move you've got to go for if you're playing the Chiefs. This offense can score at any time. Yada yada yada. It didn't work out, and nothing worked out for the rest of the game after that first drive. We all saw it. Uh, our offense be completely dismantled by a pretty uninspiring Chiefs defense. Yeah. One that couldn't stop the run at all coming into this last week, and one that had a pretty difficult time stopping the pass, too. Uh, they shut down both very effectively. Uh, as I look over the box score, they had nine sacks. They allowed 213... Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, 213 passing yards to Joe Flacco. Uh, they allowed, let's see, between Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, they allowed 71 yards rushing. Uh, and, I mean, you know, you can't win a football game that way. When you when you put up stats like that, you should lo- lose 30-6. to six. That's exactly right. what the final score should look like. And that's the kind of effort they put out there. The defense slowed them down for a little bit. They were able to kind of throw things off a little bit for Pat Mahomes, but too, too, and Matt Moore as well, but too often they were put in just impossible field position battles. And quite frankly, by the end of the game, when they were getting decent field position and stop, you know, pinning the Chiefs back a little bit, they were out there on the field so much that there was nothing they could do. They were exhausted and the Chiefs were able to find holes in that defense and just yeah. march down the field. Yeah, let's talk first. Let's Let's talk first about that going for two. So, Six nothing. We score first. We drive the ball down. Have a very good drive. They get a penalty on the extra point. Now we kind of have to go for it. You know the the statistics say you go for it there. And and nobody. I'd like to say nobody. I'm sure there's a lot of angry fans out there that that wanted that extra point. But I mean nobody really doubted going for it at that point. I think everyone was really excited. Like you said, against the Kansas City team. Um, I don't yeah. think that was I don't think that was the the gut call that was the momentum changer. I think the gut call that was the big momentum changer was that fake punt. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah. I totally agree. That was, you know, one of those things where you were watching it happen unfold and you were just like, what? We're grasping at straws now. Now we're we're pressing we are, and especially when they tried to go fake punt pass, which is such a yeah. low percentage play. I mean, your guy, you're, you're asking your punter to throw the football to a right. guy who, you're not only asking a guy who doesn't throw the football normally to throw a football, he's generally throwing it to a player who doesn't catch the football normally either. So on a, one of those plays that's so low percentage in a game like that, where you are on the field, if you're going to fake it, run it, and don't fake it. Just yeah. You know, at that point, your defense is not playing that badly. 
I know you want to give him a break and keep him on the sidelines a little longer, but like you said, Jared, that was a total momentum changer. It killed any chance I think we had of coming back in that one. Yeah, I think what it did was it showed everybody on the field, on both sides of the ball, that we were desperate. And, it, and we, we showed that desperation card way too early. I mean... It wasn't. It wasn't a game that was out of reach at that point. Like we were, we were not down by a lot. I think. I think we were only down by a field goal. I want to say mm-hmm. at that time, or, or maybe four points. It was absolutely unreal that we that we would go for the punt, uh, the fake punt. So we gave up our desperation move way too fast. They saw it. We saw it, and and they just took advantage of it. Even with Matt Moore, um, <laughs> Matt Moore as a quarterback. Um, I, the other thing I want to point out here too, and, and I have my thoughts on all of this, but this is a pregame, postgame podcast, not a what Jared thinks about Joe Flacco podcast. <laughs> um, Joe, I, I know you have the stats in front of you, but without looking at them, what what do you think Joe Flacco's quarterback rating was? He was twenty one for thirty four, two hundred thirteen yards. But what was his quarterback rating? You think? Oh God, thirty eight point three. Oh gee, yeah, mm-hmm. no, that that tracks, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. awful. It's so bad. Yeah. I mean, he got sacked eight times for seventy-two yards, and 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 this is you know I talked about it on the post game on the uh, Orange Weekly show earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to talk about it now because I think it's important to remember. You can't blame the offensive line for all eight sacks. You look at those sacks. I'd say more than half of those sacks where the ball was supposed to come out of his hand immediately. One of them, two of them were in all stops, which is an all five-yard stops, and he held onto the ball for so long that a he, the ball should have been out before the receiver turned around, first of yeah. all, before mm-hmm. any anybody can even unblocked get from the linebacker position to a quarterback. And B, if you do wait for that, then they jump it, and there's nothing you can do about it, which he did on the, both of those plays. I do not like the play that Joe Flacco is showing right now. I do oh, not yeah. fa- like the fact that he's holding on to the ball as much as he does. Now, I'm not giving complete credit to the offensive line. I'm not, I'm not taking that away from him because I do think they have some issues that they need to work out and... Garrett Bowles is pissing a lot of people off here in Broncos country. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a lot of cries out for finding out a, a, a solution, either fixing him or just getting him out of there because I feel like we spent too much time trying to fix him at this point. And if Munchak can't do it, I don't know if there's a – I don't know if there's a coach out there that can, honestly, yeah. David. No, no, I'm with you. and uh, But I'm also with you in that Joe Flacco is not making anything easier on his offensive line. He is the anti-Peyton Manning in that he makes his offensive line look worse. Uh, I want to, right. you know, you, I think, can especially appreciate uh, this next comment. Have you noticed how deeply he drops in the pocket? He is back there, and he is tackles. I mean, you're not giving your tackles a chance to do anything except to let the guy run right past them, honestly. Right. And sometimes they're going to hold because of that, because they'd rather do that than get you killed. Uh, the other thing is his total, it seems like an outright refusal to recognize and call out blitzes. And they faced a lot of those against this particular defense, the Kansas City defense, uh, which doesn't generate a lot of pressure with its just its front four. And those defenses got home. Those defenses went or those blitzes went unblocked a lot of times because the protection wasn't called out correctly. And I think a lot of that is on Flacco too. Now, as you said. Garrett Bowles in particular gets a little bit of focus, and he did not play well in this game. But nobody on the offensive side of the ball played well, except perhaps Cortland Sutton, who is a name that we managed to mention and give a laurel to every single week. So good job for you, Cortland Sutton. Everybody else, very, very bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. he had uh, – Cortland Sutton had eight rece- or six receptions on eight targets. Emmanuel Sanders, who uh, is now a San Francisco 49ers, had five receptions 
on six targets. And Royce Freeman had four receptions on five targets. So he's putting the ball in a position, and the receivers are catching it, but and they're doing what they can with it after. But the problem is, is like, yeah, 21 for 34 and eight sacks. You're yeah. holding on to the ball too long. And, and going back to your, your stat, you're right. He's he's taking deep, these deep drops. But it, I'm fine with taking deep drops, but you have to get yourself back into the pocket by stepping back up in that pocket, and he's not. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. taking his deep drops, and then he's sitting there. And I don't know if that's a, a, a system thing. I don't know if that's something that he's not used to, that he didn't have in, in – um, in Baltimore, or and this is another thing, he's worried about the injury bug again. Uh, you know, anytime a quarterback gets injured, it's very difficult for them to come back and be able to step up into a pocket where you have, you know, three hundred pound guys collapsing on you, all wanting your head for dinner. So yeah. it's a difficult thing to manage. And you know what? Maybe that's in the back of his head. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on. But I'll tell you right now, at this rate, Joe Flacco cannot be. Our, our answer to anything and I know there's a lot of people out there that have been crying this since the beginning since we got him in the first place he's a placeholder but for who David well that's it and if it's Drew Locke it's got to be soon and right. unfortunately it's not going to be that soon uh, if, if John Elway has anything to say about it he said uh, just this week actually the update we got on Drew Locke was not ready to return to practice yet yeah, so eligible uh, because he's we're now two weeks or however many weeks removed from him as being able to be removed from the injured reserved list. So he's allowed to practice two weeks before he comes back, I think, is the rule. Um, So he's eligible to practice this week. But John Elway came out and said this week he's not ready yet. We're not going to have him back at practice yet. So it's going to be a little more time. And that's the last thing I know that Broncos country wants to hear right now. But for better or worse, and it's probably going to be worse as we, uh, you know, as I kind of segue us into... Uh, our preview for the next game. It's it's not going to get any better coming up against Indianapolis. They've got a fast defense, uh, and it could give us. We could be in for another very long day on Sunday, Jared. Yeah, let's let's segue into the new game also with uh, what happened in between the two games and uh, the trade for Emmanuel Sanders. Ooh, that's good. A good point. Let's not blow past that. Yeah, let's not let's let's talk a little bit about this because I know a lot of people want to hear about this and and what the take is here. Mm-hmm. I absolutely I think this is the best move for everybody involved. Uh, the Broncos, Emmanuel Sanders, the 49ers. I think everybody involved got exactly what they wanted. And it, it works out for everybody. There's no ill will from Emmanuel Sanders to the Broncos. There's no ill will from the Broncos to Emmanuel Sanders. It was just time to let it go. And Emmanuel Sanders is on a contract year this year. And if we didn't do something before the trade deadline, we were going to lose him at the end of the year. That was going to happen. And I'd yeah. rather it, I'd rather it be a trade for us to get something in return. And I'd rather go to him. I'd rather him go to a team that gives him the best chances of getting another ring. Mm-hmm. And right now, San Francisco is playing amazing football. Now, do I think they're Super Bowl contenders? No. I don't think that they're they're mature enough to be Super Bowl contenders. They're undefeated, so I can't give that take that away from them. They just got done beating a Rams team, which is a good team. Can't take that away from them. However, the him going to a team that is going to be in the playoffs at the end of the year and giving them another chance, giving them another target and uh, – someone to help them push him to that level and someone who's been there before that they don't have a lot of those guys on that roster is going to be is going to pay dividends for them and we got the picks that we got for him as opposed to letting him wait till the end of season and getting nothing for him yeah he gets to go to a place where the scheme is going to be familiar to him offensively he gets to go to a place where the quarterback play is at least average 
Um, you know, and, you know, to a place where an offensive coordinator knows how to get him open and get him the ball in space. They're going to love his speed. They're going to love his toughness there. And he's going to love getting a chance to make another playoff run and maybe have a legitimate shot at getting to one more Super Bowl, you know, on the backside of his career as it is. You know, it sounds like there was no love lost between him and the Broncos. It does kind of sound like there was a little bit of friction there. You know, nothing that had boiled over to a point where there was going to be something acrimonious on the field or anything like that that um but definitely it sounded like from the comments we heard from him and john elway it was you know time for everybody to get a fresh start and that's i think better for everybody you know we've got a third round pick and fourth round pick but we gave a fifth round pick to san francisco and because of how close that fourth you know our our fifth round pick is going to be very high and their fourth round pick is going to be pretty low in those rounds since those are going to be pretty close together they kind of cancel out but to get a third round pick even if it's a low third round pick, it's going to be, you know, before every compensatory pick you get in that round, um, at the very least. So having, you know, we have two third round picks in next year's draft. That's another top 150 pick potentially. And that's not nothing. And to get that for a guy who's 32, um, and you know, has been producing this year, but is definitely not the explosive guy that we all remember from a couple of years ago. You know, that's pretty good value. We should be pretty happy about that. I'm certain Emmanuel Sanders is definitely not upset. No, and I, I like I said, I think he's happy that he's in a, in a place that he can compete and go into the playoffs. And I think mm-hmm. Shanahan's happy to have him up there, too. I think Kyle Shanahan is super excited to have a guy like him. Uh, and, you know, I honestly, I think the explosiveness that we saw in years past that we're not seeing this year is, is just not getting him the ball. I mean, yep. we're not getting him the ball in, in ways that we used to. I remember we used to give him, when we had Simeon, we used to get him the ball on screens all the time. Like yep. wide receiver screens and just let him move in, 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 in space. Mm-hmm. He shakes one guy, that's all he's got to do, and get outside. And he gets five, six yards every time he gets the ball. It's, it's crazy how quick... And how, how much of a good player he is now? You know, I love Manuel Sanders. I think he's going to do great things. And and it's not without mentioning he is the last offensive piece of the the Super Bowl Fifty offense. Yep. Um, and he's gone now. So we have no more offense from that Super Bowl Fifty year. We still have a few defensive players from that Super Bowl Fifty year, but uh, yeah. nobody on the offense anymore. So yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of sad. Yeah, it's uh, the end of an era there for sure, and it's just something that, you know, it's a good reminder to us in Broncos country that, you know, the NFL does stand for not for long, and that's, you know, we got we to gotta move on with the team that we've got and focus on how we can improve from where we are, because it's fun to, you know, reminisce about 2015, that, those were the glory days, but there's a lot of work to be, do, to be done uh, to this current team as it is if we want to get anywhere close to those levels that we were at, you know, if we want to get back there, uh, there's going to be some tough days ahead. Absolutely. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the off season. Yeah. That was the, the trade deadline, I guess, that we in between the two games. So let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. Speaking and of tough days ahead. Speaking of tough days ahead. Yeah. There's yep. a lot of of this Colts team, which at the very beginning of the year everybody counted them out and was was talking about how terrible they were going to be without their starting quarterback, without their franchise quarterback, who uh, very how do I put this shittily is that a is that a good word put their team in a very shitty position uh at the very beginning of the year by by retiring mm-hmm. but not by retiring in the off season by retiring a couple plays into the preseason and uh basically giving them a couple preseason games to get their starting quarterback ready as opposed to ex- expanding their playbook for their new quarterback through the off season which he could they should have done 
um, but they didn't get a chance to. But I guess it's working out. Jacoby Brissett's playing very well. Um, he's not, I mean, he's not flaming out like a lot of backup quarterbacks, like these guys that you're expecting to. Um, and they're they're playing very good football. Their defense is scary, which is weird to say about an Indianapolis Colts team. Um, but their defense is playing pretty well too, and and we're coming in beat up, and we're coming in playing really bad. Uh, yeah. What do you mm-hmm. what do you expect from this game that we we haven't seen, if anything, in the past from the Denver Broncos? Uh, well, we haven't seen. Um... No, I don't think we're going to see anything that we haven't seen from the Denver Broncos before. And uh, that's not going to be a good thing. Uh, I think we're going to, if we struggle to run the ball against the Chiefs, I don't know that we're going to be able to take it to this Kansas or to this Indianapolis defense with as much speed as they have at the linebacker position. Uh, you know, Zaire Franklin, Darius Leonard, uh, I mean, those guys, Anthony Walker Jr., those guys can fly. And we all know the kind of season that Darius Leonard had last year. You know, defensive rookie of the year, over 100 tackles, uh, interceptions, a Pro Bowl in his first year. And, you know, he's building on that rookie season right now. It's just going to be, I think, really, really tough sledding to get anything going. And, you know, the Indianapolis Colts do not have what you would think of as big-name pass rushers. You know, Margus Hunt, Jabal Sheard, those are guys that really came on for them last year uh, especially. But, you know, there's not a lot of household names on that defensive line. Uh, but, you know, if, if Joe Flacco and the offensive line can't perform better than they did last week, I have no reason to believe that they're not going to cause trouble up front for the Denver Broncos this week. It's, you know, they, they've given me no reason to hope that it's going to be good. Let me put it that way. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough sledding for this offensive line, and uh, I think we're gonna have to go back to what we originally are known for and what we've been doing so well through the season when we do do it well, and that's uh, run the football. Mm-hmm. You know, we run the football well, and then we can open up the pass. But I don't know, and and you know, talking about that play calling has not been bad. Uh, I, I don't think the play calling is the issue. I think I think the decision making is the issue, and that's what we're getting at. But I think we, we stick with running the football. We get we get our strengths, and we push that defensive line around a little bit, try to run the football. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be tough against this, this defense. Like you said, some of these big-name guys, Anthony Walker is their tackle leader, and he's been flying all over the football field when you watch him. It is yeah. amazing. Rocky Sin is another one that's out there. He's playing an amazing football out there. And, um, and they're ready. Uh, they're, they're ready. And, and from what we saw Thursday, it didn't look like we were. But if we yeah. come out and and okay now stay with me here like don't 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 turn the channel it's a podcast <laughs> so don't pause it I don't I don't know don't turn the channel mm-hmm. we have a chance to show that we're not as bad as people think we are mm. and I said that against Kansas City I said that against uh, everybody that we've played so far um, yeah but this is a chance to show okay either a Indianapolis is overrated which I don't think so. But B, we're a team that can go out there and perform when we want. And that's what would happen. If at the end of this game we end up winning, we have a lot of really good plays, I think we need a very, very good run game in order to do that. I don't think it's going to happen in the passes. Um, We have a very good run game. We go out and win this game. Our defense is not on the field as often as they need to be. And we show that, hey, we pick and choose when we decide to show up. And I think that's what the ultimate goal is going to be at the end of this. It's not going to be like, oh, it's a good football team. It's, oh, it's a good football team when they decide they want to be. 
you know, that is, I think, <laughs> that is the best possible scenario for a 2-5 and five team at this point, I think. You know, that is. It, we can perform sometimes when we want to. We can play games and win if we want to. It's just like you say, it's a matter of showing up and doing it. And, you know, something I've been talking about, and I know you've, you know, we've all kind of been talking about on this show, is just how do you build on it week to week? How do you find success one week and continue to do the things that were successful for you that week and then find new successful things to add on top of that as well? You know, you've got to be able to not only take steps forward, but keep that step forward and take another step forward instead of just going backwards on the things that you were doing well last week. And unfortunately, that's what we saw against the Chiefs. Everything that they did well against the Titans, and really, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot. We just managed to, you know, outgrind them. Uh, everything that we did well in that game, we did poorly against the Chiefs. And it's just a team right now whose young players are struggling to kind of find leaders to lead them forward and to show them how to do it right and to build a winning tradition. You know, these guys, Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay, Dalton Reisner, they're your offensive building blocks, but you want to show them how to win football games and string football seasons together. If they're going to be your core and then end up leading the guys who you end up drafting to play alongside them later, they've got to be able to show them. And right now, with a quarterback like Joe Flacco in the room, it's going to be tough to build that winning mentality. And it's just something that you've got to try and start doing week to week. And when you have 30 to six setbacks like you had last week, it just makes it that much more difficult as you slog your way through a season to get consistency, to get, like you were saying, to get guys to show up, not just one week or sometimes, but all the time. And, you know, obviously that's the fundamental difference between a winning and a losing football team. But we're just not there right now, and I'm at this point, you know, I believed. And it, it stung, Jared. You know, it stung me pretty deeply last week with, to believe as hard as I did to call out, you know, a Broncos win against that formidable Chiefs offense and to just see him play like that. So at this point, I'm off the hype train until they give me, you know, I just, I, you know, I'm not going to... Not gonna get too too bummed out on Broncos country, but you know I'll, I'll still watch. I'll still love watching the games. There's still great things to see and great players that who are gonna be coming up through the system. But you know it's gonna be a kind of a chore for the rest of the season at the same time. Right. Yeah. Um. So if we're looking at basic stats here, Indianapolis is a team who beat the Kansas City Chiefs a couple weeks ago on, on October seventh, yeah. nineteen to thirteen. It came down towards the end. Uh, but we lost by a heavy margin to that same team without their starting quarterback. So we have to be kind of scared, and we have to be skeptical Mm -hmm. going into this game because we don't know what can happen with this Broncos team. It's been so inconsistent this year that I think that's the most disappointing thing for Broncos country. It's not inconsistent against bad teams. Like We've been playing good teams very well, but then Mm -hmm. when we play – it doesn't. It doesn't make sense, and it doesn't. And I think a lot of us are very confused and scratching our heads at what's going on. But and, and it makes it difficult for guys like us who like to do pregame and postgame podcasts. Yeah, I'm very... to talk about the schemes and, and, and abilities and talk about how great, how much, how much opportunity we have there. But we only decide to use it. I, I don't know. Scarcely, I don't I, like. I don't know when. I don't know yeah. when they decide that they're going to come out. For all I know, we're going to come out and blow Can- Indianapolis out of the water, thirty to six. Like we got blown out by Kansas City. Yeah. You know, and then if that happens, then we we sit back and we go, man, what the 
what the hell is going on with this team? Like, right, we don't even yeah, know. yeah, and that, I mean, at a certain point, that just makes it worse as the season right. goes along, right? Because it's like, oh man, they could be, they could beat any team in the league if they play like this, and yeah. then they just come out and play like absolute hot, stinking garbage for no reason. It seems like you know, it makes it seem like they're just not trying, and you know that's not true because of course these guys show up and try every week, but it just makes it that much worse for us as fans, you know? Yeah. So Jacoby Brissett has only thrown three interceptions mm. this year. Mm-hmm. Do we expect another one coming into this week? Because our, our our turnover woes have been fixed-ish, um, and you know I think we're we're starting to get the turnovers that we need. Uh, do we think we can we can stop the lack of interceptions that Jacoby Brissett's been playing against? And he's not, they've not been playing bad teams. No, and it's you know I I think that we can probably get. You know, an interception or two in there. I don't. I think the pressure has been coming along. You know, only one sack against Kansas City last week, but it's all coming together on defense at least as as far as the the turnovers and the sacks are coming. So you know, I think we probably can get get a tur- maybe a turnover or two off of off of Brissett. Um, and I think you know we probably can get to him a couple of times and and maybe ter- force a couple of turnovers. But you know, it's up to the offense at that point to capitalize. And I just. I don't have any faith in them right now. Like my my right. power rankings of this offense, as far as the NFL goes, it's like thirty five. Like I would put a couple of college offense, either the Dolphins, put them up there with Fitz Magic, because even the Dolphins with Fitz Magic are capable just on some weeks of absolutely blowing the doors off of somebody for four touchdowns, just when you least expect it. And I just, I don't right. see it happening for Joe Flacco, even on his best day. His best day is like two touchdowns and no interceptions. Um, so that's, you know, a best case scenario for this team this week. Uh, I don't know that that's going to happen. Like I said, you know, if we can get things going on the ground, like you were saying earlier, that would really, really help this offense. But we say that every week, and like we've been saying all this podcast, some weeks they do it, and some weeks they don't. You know, the Colts, as I look at their rushing offense, are not bad. It looks like they're 10th uh, in the league, 128 yeah. yards per game rushing. Um, you know, this bro- the we weren't eaten up by Kansas City last week, but they were able to run the ball when they wanted to. You know, yeah. when they needed to get yards on the ground, they were able to against this defense, a defense that had shut down two pretty good running offenses the the previous weeks. Um, you know, they weren't able to get it done against Kansas City. They're going to have another stern test this week against Indianapolis. And if they don't get that run def- that running game shut down early, it's going to be – It's. I mean, we saw what it was able to do for Kansas City and how it opened up their offense to be able to run on us. You know, Indianapolis is going to be able to exploit us in similar ways. Yeah, yeah, and and I think for some reason our run and our run defense hasn't been like you said just absolutely garbage, but our run defense on the run side is is something that, yeah, I mean we we definitely have a hole there, uh, and, and and teams have found ways to exploit that. Unfortunately, because our pass defense, you know, in past has been very good. And I, I still don't think our pass defense is that bad. I think we still have some of the top corners in the league. We still have Chris Harris, and we still have the two of the best, one of the best rushers. I know Bradley Chubb's out for the season now, but um, and Von Miller, and I think we have some some pretty decent inside linebackers, which we've been missing for a while now mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, but Alex I think Johnson that, had another great game against Kansas City. He was yeah, one of the few bright spots too. And he's another one that is coming up and playing well, and and on on. A, a meager, you know, defensive of, of 
a shell of what we used to have. Yeah. Um, he's he's a good is a good light to see him coming up and, and being a younger guy coming up and making the plays that he needs to make. Uh, th- that's another thing that we have going for us too. And as we talked about the Manuel Sanders trade, we have to start looking towards the future at some point. And at some point, we kind of have to give up on the win now mode uh, because I mean we have a new coach, and that new coach has been taken advantage of a couple times. I know earlier in the season. There's been a lot of times we got to take advantage of, and momentum in this in this league is a lot, and not just game to game, but in the, over the season, momentum is a huge part of this game. Yeah, um, you know, mm-hmm. we we lost a couple really short, really close ones early on, and it puts us in a hole of started zero and four, and then it's just been hard to come back from that. And you know, after a terrible loss, everyone's starting to throw in the towel. But and I shouldn't say everyone. I know a lot of fans are starting to throw in the towel, talk about fire everybody and start over and. I don't think we need to start over and fire everybody. I still think we have a pretty good base to build off of. But we talked about at the beginning of the season. We have a, a very young coaching staff, and I think they're starting to get taken advantage of a little bit. And especially against a team, a, a coach like Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. Andy yeah. Reid Andy exploited the shit out of our team. Yeah. And, and that's unfortunate for games coming up because he basically gave a blueprint to, hey, this is how you destroy this team. Well, and that's it. And unfortunately, we've got, you know – like you said, we've just got to deal with it as far as our rookie head coach and rookie offensive coordinator go right now. And, you know, Vic Fangio is a guy who I think is going to pick up the intangibles of coaching. I think he's going to, you know, he's a smart enough, a smart guy. He's a savvy guy. He knows the league. And I think he's going to get it sooner rather than later. Uh, but right now, like you said, that's just a mismatch for us against more experienced coaches. And you've got Frank Reich in Indianapolis, uh, first not a first-year head coach. I think he's second, second year. year now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a guy who doesn't have a ton more experience, but like Fangio, has been in the league forever. Um, and you, let's see, on, on they've got, is it Matt Eberflus? Is the is is he a defensive coordinator? Yep. The uh, okay, all right. It is I believe this is his first year? Is it not? This is his second year. Second so Frank year. Reich brought over both his offensive coordinator and his defense coordinator. None That's of them right. have been in their positions before that mm-hmm. year. Right. So we're coming up against a young coaching staff here, but a team that is confident right now. Uh, you right. know, guys who know where they are supposed to be in their scheme, how to play in their scheme, second year in this scheme, so they're play- going to be playing a lot faster than they are, you know, than they would have if they were in their first year, um, you know, like our defensive players are. So, you know, we've seen our defense coming together too and playing well, uh, you know, especially for games or stretches in parts of games. Uh, but, you know, you're like I said, you're coming up against an Indianapolis team that's had another year together. Uh, they're going to be playing faster, and it's just it's going to be another tough, tough challenge. It's There's matchups that you can take advantage of there, but it, they're going to kind of be fewer and further between than I think we would like. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's something that you have to think about going in this game, and I, I think you're right. We talked about that momentum piece. Mm-hmm. They have more momentum going in this game. They have more... Yep confidence a lot more confidence and that's something that we didn't see last week either and and we could talk about that a little bit is is what where was the confidence and and i i get that it, uh, in a game that you're losing by that much and and you know people kind of just go through the motions and we have this you know they call him joe cool when it goes there mm. when are we going to see that fire and and can we see that soon or have we given up on the season because it almost looks if you watch that game towards the end of the game it looks like the whole team gave up on the season i was like you know what I'm, I'm, I get paid too much to be here and get taking these hits. Yeah, no. And honestly, if you're waiting to see that out of Joe Flacco, we're going to be waiting a while. 
Uh, it's just not who he is. It's not who he's ever been as a QB. And it's certainly not, I don't think, who he's going to turn into on what is absolutely the back nine of his career here in his second, you know, with his second NFL team in his 30s. It's just, you know, not going to be a career renaissance for Joe Flacco. I don't think he wants it. I think he wants to get a paycheck and, you know, he doesn't have anything to prove to anybody anymore. He's got one Super Bowl MVP, and that's more Super Bowl MVPs than you, me, or everybody we will, we know will ever have. So, right. yeah, at a certain point, I think Joe Flacco is that guy, and he's going to be that guy. And unfortunately for your team, that guy doesn't inspire a lot of emotion or fire or, you know, gets you riled up and put and get you in a mood where you can feel like you can come back from a three-score deficit in a game and go out there and win a game. You know, it's right. just, it takes a, guy, a special kind of guy to be able to do that. And, you know, 90% of the quarterbacks in the league can't do it. But Joe Flacco is certainly not the guy who, who you want to try to do it. That's not going to work out for anybody. And that's why we heard, I think, one of the biggest reasons that we heard so many calls for Drew Locke to you know, start getting more involved and maybe start mm-hmm. playing games when he's ready It was this week was because we all saw that. We all saw Joe Flacco just kind of Joe cool his way through that game and not give a damn, it seemed like. And it did. It spread to the rest of the team. You could see the body language of everybody say yeah. if our quarterback's not invested in this why should we be you know exactly. what's what's in it for the rest of us it's it sucks too because you need that leader that's out there and, and i'm not saying he should go out there and yell at his players and get in their no. face and but there should be some sort of level of disappointment yeah. like there should be some sort of like some burning fire in his in his heart that says i i'm not a man that can sit here and take this beating like there's got to be some sort of fire in there, and for him to just go to the sidelines, sit there like it's a cool summer day, it, it it just it does not it doesn't show it doesn't seem like he want, even wants to be here. It seems like he's just there because, to collect a paycheck. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and that's you know, like you said, it, it's it's infectious. You know, once you put you take that top down leadership approach, and you want that, you want your court your people to be following the quarterback's cue. Except when he does things like that. You know, <laughs> exactly. if he's checked out, then you've got so many more problems. Because nobody's going to pay attention then. I don't care what who your coach is. If Tom Brady's not invested in the Patriots, Bill Belichick's not going to get the rest of those guys invested. You know, it's just yeah. not going to happen. And so I think what we're going to see over the rest of the season, especially if the guys aren't playing well in games... It may just become a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy as the season wears on, unfortunately. Yeah. So so can we expect him to be a little bit more, I don't know, for lack of a better term, give a fuck this week? I, I doubt it. I really doubt it. I don't see any reason why we would see it now, honestly. Like, you know, what's he got to show us? Uh, you know, maybe I'm just a cynic. I mean, what about, what about the fact that he's fighting for his job again? He's about to get he's about to get uprooted by another rookie quarterback on his second team. Yeah, I don't think he's that concerned. I don't think he was thinking much past this season anyway. The way his contract is structured, I think Joe Flacco knew he was playing on borrowed time, just like the rest of us did. Uh, frankly, I think he was going to be cut by the Ravens uh, this last off season, yeah. and yeah, for sure. you know, if the Broncos hadn't traded for him, he'd probably be backing somebody up somewhere for eight million dollars a season. It's you know not making the thirty plus million that he's making on his current contract here. 
Which, you know, yeah, it's not... we signed him for. I understand. You know what? It's not my biggest concern because at the end of the day, it's not my money. But at the same time, you know, the fact is, Joe Flacco, if he wasn't starting here, probably wouldn't be starting anywhere. And, you know, for better or worse, that's the quarterback position as we're looking at it right now in Denver. You know, we've got him, we've got Drew Locke, and we've got Brandon Allen, who is basically what you want to be a non-factor for this team so it's you, you've got him and you've got drew lock and if you've got a high draft pick and we're looking a little further ahead than the colts game this week as we like to do on this podcast <laughs> you, you know what do you do if you've got a top five pick next off not next season you know it, you can't can you really afford to have a top five pick again and not make a meaningful attempt to solve your quarterback position and which leads us back to the question of what do you have in Drew Locke? Right, and that and that goes back, yeah, like you said, $30,000 this year is way too much to pay a quarterback who has an 8.3 quarterback rating. 30 million, Jared, 30 million. If we only we were paying him $30,000. Sorry, maybe 30 million, my bad. $30,000 a quarter or 30 something million, like that. Yeah, $30 million <laughs> for 8.3 quarterback rating. Uh, yeah. I, I, look, yeah, I, I agree with you, and, and you know, I've I've never been one. You've known me for a very long time. I've never been one to say put in the backup, like just to see what he can do. But at this point, I don't think he can do much worse, right? Uh, than what Joe Flacco showed us in that Kansas City game. Now, Joe Flacco has shown very glimpse, like very small glimpses into what he could do or what he might be able to be capable of in, in certain throws. Even sometimes I think Cortland Sutton saves his ass on, on some throws. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But, and, and he's, th- he's shown some sort of glimpses of, of him being a, a decent quarterback, but I think you're right. I think at this point in, in where we are, our, we're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And I, I do want to mention that because I've always been that way, right? <laughs> Nobody I'm, can see it, but I I'm just hung gonna, my head and smacked it gonna, on the computer keyboard just a little bit because look, Jared's blind optimism. I mean, it's inspiring, be, but good lord, he just said the word playoffs. Just, uh, Ray, look, Ray, you all like heard it, Coke right? Commercial. Everybody, everybody on listening to this podcast, all five of you heard him say the word playoffs. Please, if you did not hear him say that, and it was just me, right to the show. Let us know. <laughs> Because that's something I need to get checked. Look, there's still a chance of going 11 and five this oh, season. Oh boy! Oh man! Okay. We can't throw in the towel quite yet. Okay. However, if we lose the next couple of games that we lose, and we start getting that elimination or that playoff hope, hey, we're third in the AFC West right now, so there's still a chance. That boy, we are not mathematically eliminated. Will be Jared's Let battle me, cry that's until battle we are cry. mathematically eliminated. And then I'll start calling for the Drew Lock to see what he can do. There you go. That's Right, and, and, yeah. this, and this this kind of comes down. I mean, it's very similar, but not the same situation to what um, the 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 Browns had uh, last year, where yeah. they kind of be- ended up benching their starter. But it was pretty early on in the season. I think that was like fourth or fifth game uh, to to find out that they, oh my gosh, we have an actually decent quarterback in, in this guy that we picked up in the in the draft. Um, but you're right. I think the biggest part is we're going to give this guy his chance with the starters and trash time of the season against good good games though I'm, I'm assuming these other teams are going to put out their best guys and their best defenses but I want to see what he can do because we need to know going into next year as you were talking about that draft what we what we have yeah do we have our future do we have a starter that we can play on or do we have another Trevor Simeon do we have another uh Joe Flacco do we yeah. have another 
you know, all these pa- guys that we've Paxton Lynch, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler. What like what are we looking at right now? I'll name all the quarterbacks that have started since Peyton Manning. Are yeah. we looking at someone that we can put our sh- our team back on, or are we looking at someone that is going to be another placeholder for a couple of years to get us through a couple of shitty seasons? Just to try to refine our quarterback situation again, because I'm not going to lie, I'm tired of being the laughing stock of the quarterback controversies every single year. Yeah, we can't do it. Like we cannot set no. back our team another couple of years while we're trying to f- flail around and find the quarter, the answer to the quarterback position. It just because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's something that will just keep on happening and keep on happening and eventually you'll look into an 8 and 8 season and you'll think this is where we're turning the corner and you'll end up drafting, you know, 20th in the round and you'll have one big really big hole on your team so you'll end up reaching for a guy 20th in the first round. Like Garrett Bowles, you end yeah. up reaching for a guy and it just tanks the rest of your uh, the, uh, tanks a totally important position on your team for a couple of seasons. And you're right back where you started. And it's just this cyclical thing where if you don't figure out the quarterback position, you can't figure out anything on the rest of your roster. It just will right. all and – and, you know, the reverse side of that coin is how far it can – or how quickly it can fall into place once you, you know, figure out that quarterback position, at least on paper. You know, of course, it didn't work out for Cleveland this year. They got a lot of issues, but, you know, the offseason they had – you, you really thought this was going to be a team that had really come together, that had really brought pieces in, and they were able to do that because they had finally solved this quarterback position. You know, So it's something that once you figure out, it can go really, really good for you. But until you figure it out, and it seems it just becomes tougher to figure out the longer you're without it. You, know? you just keep falling further and further into that hole of, I can build around this guy, or we can make do with this guy. We can do enough with this guy to succeed. When really you you should have torn it down four or five years ago and just started over. And yeah. you know it's it's I understand that's not what we have a tradition of here in Denver. You've got a tradition of being competitive even in your down years, but while pursuing that ethos, we have totally ignored the ethos of do what's actually best for your franchise. I feel. Yeah. 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 I mean, and we've had we've had some really shitty quarterbacks in the past. I mean, Brian Greasy, uh, Jake Cutler. I mean, he mm. didn't do very well for us down here. Uh, there's we've had some down years where we've had some issues too. But um, Kyle Orton. Um, but at least you know it was interesting with Kyle Orton in playing the Patriots system with Josh McDaniels. Yeah. That was a for a half a year. That was a really fun team to watch. Right. Yeah. Well, so was uh, every fourth quarter of every game that we had Tim Tebow. Oh, um, however, the heart attacks of the first three quarters, and then at the end, I think I lost at least fifteen years in that one year of it with him. But sure. Uh, but I mean, we've had the quarterback controversy before. We're not immune to it, right? We do, or we are known for. You know, we had our Elway, we had our Peyton Manning, but we're not immune to the quarterback controversy and. It's just as Broncos country is going forward with this season, seeing other teams be successful with their yep. uh, their long-term answers to quarterback mm-hmm. and seeing the Patriots. I think that's the big the, everyone puts it out, right? Tom Brady's been there and won however many championships that I don't care to mention. And I don't know even why I know I'm bringing him up. But uh, he's he's been there with the team for so long that th- they can work on 
putting stuff around him, like yeah. you said, as opposed mm-hmm. to working on trying to find out who that next guy is going to be. Yep. And we need a leader back there. We need it. We can't get these quiet, tall, lanky guys like we've been, you know, in the Brock Osweiler's packs and lynches. Like, I don't care how athletic you are. If you're not going to work hard and be a team player and be a leader of this offense, I want the next guy. Yeah. And I don't know if Drew Locke's that guy, but we have to be able to see at some point. Yeah, you got to find out, and you know, I didn't want you. You don't ever want to expose a guy too early and just ruin a career that might have been to see what you have now. But on the flip side of that coin, you know, it's a what have you done for me lately league. It's and you can't waste high draft picks. And I'm not calling Bradley Chubb a wasted pick, but at the same time, those come around so rarely. And if you know a guy will perform in your system, if you know he's the guy that you want, even if you have to jump up from their top five position to a top two position to get him, you've got to pay for it and you've got to do it. You know, right. the, the model that I look at is, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs. We talk about it all the time, but they gave up a couple of first-round picks to get their guy, Patrick Mahomes. They wanted him. They knew what they were going to get when they got him. And they got an MVP caliber season out of him in his second year. Right. So, you and know. Not only did they trade up to get him, they mm-hmm. didn't even play him that first year. They didn't play him at all. And you, everybody talks about what they paid to get him when you pay it. But right. who's talking about it now? You think yeah. the Chiefs regret it? No, it makes, it makes Andy Reid and that front office look like geniuses. Yeah. And they're not going to regret it over the next 10 years at many points either, I'm thinking. Right. So it's just, you know. If you've got to make a bold move, then you've got to make a bold move because it's the most important position in your franchise. So that that brings up the point then, who's scouting these guys and who's bringing them in? That's it. Mm-hmm. Right, and because right now we're 0 for 2 on draft picks, quarterbacks. Uh, we're, we're a little bit more than 0 for 2. I mean, Trevor Simeon was a draft pick, and uh, so was Brock Osweiler. And Was you Trevor know, Simeon one of our draft picks? Yeah, I think he's a six-round draft pick. He oh, was yeah. not... He was not undrafted. I was thinking. I was thinking Osweiler and Lynch. I think those are our two biggest busts. Yeah. Know? Oh, Osweiler, Lynch, Simeon. But you, then, of course, you know, none of the free agents worked out either. You didn't. Right. You well, Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly was a draft pick. Chad Kelly. He was, and, he was a late round. And you know, Chad Kelly would still be here. Would probably still be here, and would probably be starting for this team, yeah. except for Chad Kelly. You know, right, Chad yeah, Kelly. If it wasn't for him with in the vacuum, right? That you know, yeah. Ch- Chad Kelly kind of wrote his own ticket out of here, and quite frankly, it tells me a lot that he's not even on the Colts' active roster with the quarterback position the way it is. Right? You know, he's right. he's he's on their practice squad at the moment, and he's got to prove that he can keep himself out of trouble enough to even stay in the NFL. We're, we're getting uh, we're getting off track here a little bit. Stay tuned for the Chad <laughs> Kelly podcast coming yeah, right. soon. Coming very I'm, soon. Let's be honest. We've been off off topic. This and I don't even know if I'm. I could call this a pregame post game. I think this is just a general Orange Weekly podcast this week. Look, we said the words Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> we said who their coaches were. I don't know what else people want. Okay. <laughs> At this point, we're showing about as much as much following the script as the Denver Broncos do. So. That's right, exactly. <laughs> and we're hammered, guys. I mean, my God, are we drunk at this point. No, we're not. We're I'm pretty sober. Uh, anyway, Jared, you know, wrapping up here, as, as hopefully our listeners are praying that we're probably wrapping up here. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, any final thoughts as you look forward to this week? Anything that you, we haven't gone over or uh, any excruciating details that we haven't perhaps brought up yet? If we want to make the playoffs. Oh, God. Here we go again. <laughs> oh, boy. If we want to make the playoffs and go 11-5 and five this season, 
We have to start one game at a time. Uh-huh. We can't sit back and let these teams do these things to us. <laughs> we need to figure out what it is. Okay, I don't even know. I can't even say with a straight face. Look, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think we're a playoff caliber team. I don't think we're consistent enough to be a playoff caliber team. And even if we did squeak our way into the playoffs some by some miracle, I don't think we would do anything with it. Um, I think that we are we are unmotivated, and I, I don't know where we're going to get that motivation from. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's the front office, and, and you know what? It's, it's upsetting because I, I do like our new coaching staff, and I. You know, I, I was not a big fan of VJ when he was here, but I do like our new coaching staff. But come on, man! Like, you you can't. You're not innocent in this. Like, if there's no motivation in that locker room, that's on you, man. That's it, and that's you gotta on, have, that's on you guys. Yeah, and you've got to get players to buy in. You've got to get players to buy in and tell the other players to buy in too. Yeah, it's if you can't do that, like we said earlier, it doesn't matter how good your coaching staff is. If you can't get buy in from your players. You're not going to get anywhere. They're not going to trust yeah. you. You're not going to be able to t- convince them that you know what you're talking about when you tell them, be here and do this when I tell you to do it. Right. Yeah. And, and that's going to fall on those guys. Like yeah. this this front office all the way down. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of drama with the ownership issues, the front office issues, and the coaching staff is brand new. It's, it's a lot, and it's a lot to, to try to get people to buy in, and I think it's creating turmoil out there. And I hate to say that, you know, players play off of that, but they, they do. Yep. It's, we're, they're not in, it's not just like put a bunch of the greatest players together and, and put out a good team because if that were the case, the, the Cleveland Browns would be undefeated. Yeah, no, you know, it this sets isn't, the tone. This isn't basketball. Yeah, it sets the tone for your entire franchise. These things trickle down. If your quarterback can't get – if you can't get buy-in from your quarterback, if you can't get – you know your players to buy into your coaches and if you can't get your coaches and your front office moving on the same page together if there's no buy-in between those it's just it's a dysfunction from the top down and that's how you end up with three losing seasons in a row so you know as as much as we have hope and as much as we like this coaching staff and some of the guys that they've brought in they are who we think they are until they show us that they're not and you know, they, something's got to give there, and we'll see if that means reassessing some personnel a little bit higher than level of coaching staff at the end of the season. But it's probably it's going to have to wait until then. You know, it, we'll just have to see what this team can do between now and then to mitigate those circumstances, or if they just make it a whole lot worse. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm bought mm-hmm. in. Yeah. To the Denver Broncos, I yep. have been since for a very long time. I know yep. you. You have as well. Um. Okay. Our, yes. Our playoff year is coming, and um, we're going to. Uh, we'll, we'll get there someday. Finish we'll get, strong. <laughs> we'll get back someday, guys. Now, what do you? As uh, maybe as we close out, let's let's get on to score predictions, Jared. What do you okay. think? What do you think? How's it? How's it going to shake out for us this week? I think we look. Do you want like my honest opinion? Or do you want my like? I because I have I have both an honest opinion and I have a an optimistic likely scenario. Throw them down there. Okay, so my honest opinion, I think they're going to beat us. I think they're going to beat us 21 to 7. Yep. I think, okay. I think that that's probably my on, most honest opinion. I think we get another rushing touchdown, but we, we don't do anything for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Very similar to the last game. But uh, yep. I think in reality, there's a possibility we can go up and win this game 21 14, 21 17. I think it, it, we just have to score. Um, it, we were having troubles in the. You know what? I'm not going to say 21. Let's say 20. 
I, I think there's going to be a lot of field goals in this game. I don't think mm-hmm. we're going to be able to punch in the end zone. They have very uh, strong red zone defense. I don't think it's, it's going to be very difficult to punch in the red zone unless we get big plays. Um, but I, I think it's possible that if our offense starts clicking and figure it out whatever the crap we saw on Thursday night, that we could go out there and, and beat this team. I think our defense is capable for sure of stopping this offense. I think T.Y. Hilton, is, while scary, is not anything to, to Chris Harris. I don't think Jacoby Brissett's going to be able to do anything. I think we're going to get the pressure on him that we need to, and I think he's going to get flustered. But yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm going to stick with my likely slash optimistic scenario. I think we're going to win 20 to 17. 20 to 17. Uh, I love it. I love you. Uh, your optimism is so, so nice to hear. Broncos lose 24 to 10. 24 to 10. Yep. 24-10 Indianapolis. That is okay. my one and only score prediction. That's it. That's all I got for you, yeah, boys. You're not you're not giving me an optimistic one. There's there's no optimistic one. I'm good. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. cool. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Yep. Jared's uh, Jared's a little upset, but right. and yeah. he's and he's covering it, but really well. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm not we're... flipping tables or chairs or anything right now. No, nope, definitely not. Um, but Orange Weekly, uh, Orange Weekly staff is going to be here for you, Broncos country. We yeah. are going to be here for you through the rough times, and they're going to be good times again. They're going to come. We and we'll be there for you for those too. But we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you coming and tuning in every week to the pregame podcast, the postgame podcast, which this was both this week. Um, you know, throw us a like, throw us a share, you know, on Facebook, retweet us, uh, visit our Patreon page, give us some money, guys. That not, we, we promise we're not going to embezzle any of it. Uh, it's going to go directly back into making this a better podcast experience for you. Uh, you know, maybe we'll spend some of that money to just get some access with some Broncos executives and tell them do better yeah i think be that, that'd be my better note. i don't know be how better. we use your money to do that but we're gonna find a way um Research. yeah definitely you know check out all our shows the pregame podcast the postgame podcast like i said uh, beers broncos no bs show ragers you've got to check that out every week Please he's do, yeah. making making a ton of money for everybody here at orange weekly he should be making money for you as well uh and am i m- missing and forgetting anything jared uh, I mean, we have a lot of stuff. I mean, basically every night we have something going on. Uh, Absolutely. Or weekly after dark. We have the, like you said, Beer Broncos OBS. The podcast, we usually have pregame, postgame podcast. Look, guys, thank you so much for sticking with us. You know, we know it's a tough, we know it's tough. Trust us. We know we've been there. We know how this works. But we will still be here. We will still be rooting on the Broncos every single week, even after we're mathematically eliminated, David. Um, yes, Jerry. Yes, <laughs> even after we're mathematically eliminated. Okay. So we'll we'll be here for you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Look, we, we could be talking to a wall, uh, but we are talking to you guys, and we appreciate you guys listening and giving us your feedback. So uh, like you said, give us a share, give us a like, and, and check us out on our social media pages. But that's that's about it, man. Yeah, I think that's it. And uh, we're going to be watching this week as every week. Uh, You'll be here with us next week, we're sure, Orange Weekly fans. So until then, we love you. And as always, go Broncos. Go Broncos. Orange, man. I'm rocking orange, man.